The scrimmages are done. It is time for the NBA restart for your Phoenix Suns. Welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by my cohort in crime, the master of the microphone, Mr. Matthew Paul Lissy. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, everybody. How are you, John? I'm doing good, though, by the way. <laughs> well, that's the question I asked, and I was hoping you would tell me that you were doing good because I'm doing spectacular, man. The scrimmages are over. We can finally preview a game for the Suns that actually matters. It's been so long since we've done this. I mean, earlier in the year, we would do like our week 15 recap, our week 17 recap, where we would talk about the games that were occurring, and then we would go into kind of the preview of the next week. So seeing as we're starting with the Wizards upcoming on Friday at 1 o'clock Arizona time, uh, that's 3 p.m. if you're not on Arizona time. So if you're, just, if you're not staying in Arizona, it's automatically at 3 p.m., which is actually incorrect. <laughs> For that, I'm sorry. Misinformation. Yeah, Fake it's all right. News. Just Google I'm it. Sorry. Yeah, Google it. You'll find it's out the ESPN. time. It's on ESPN.com. You'll figure it out. There you go. And I'm, I'm just really excited to sit down and talk about actually a game, kind of what our thoughts are on it, uh, just to give all the Suns Jam Session listeners an, an opportunity to understand what kind of what our game plan is during these yes. bubble games is we are going to release a podcast every morning prior to a game. So that is to say, other than this one, the, Wiz- the Mavs game on Sunday. Sunday morning, we're going to have a Wizards recap and a Mavs preview. The next game, we're going to have a – who is the next game? I don't even know. I'm, I'm already like two games in. And I'm I know it's a hard team. I bet <laughs> you anything it's a difficult it's team. The Clippers. So. It's the Clippers. It's the Clippers. So yeah. the, the morning that we play the Clippers, which is next Tuesday, you'll get our podcast that has a Mavericks uh, review and yeah. then a Clippers preview. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So you wake up, you put on our podcast, take your poop, Take your shower, put on that jersey, and you'll be ready to go for the day. Yes. Yes. It. And the exciting thing about it is we've actually reached out to other members of SB Nation's sites to understand what their perspective is, not only on their team as it enters the bubble, so we get kind of a recap of their season prior to their start and their, and their games against the Suns, but we have an understanding of what their expectation is, is of the game against the Suns, as well as who are the sons to them? So it's going to actually be kind of exciting talking to these different representatives from SB Nation sites to understand who, who are the sons to the Washington Wizards? Who are the sons to people who yeah. live in LA? What is their perspective on our team? What does it look like from the outside looking in? We're blinded by the sun's light. We're so integrated with this team and have an understanding of their, you know, their shitty point guard play and Cam Johnson needs more minutes. And, you know, the, the outside doesn't see that. They're going to tell us what their thoughts are on Devin Booker, how they see DeAndre Ayton progressing. So we're super excited to do that. We actually uh, will talk a little bit about the Wizards preview on this podcast. And then at the end, prior to our mailbag questions, we'll actually have our interview that we had with Kevin Broom, who is from the Bullets Forever dot com website which is the washington wizards sp nation site and that was awesome to have him on i think he was in houston at the time but he's a washington guy what are your initial takeaways from that matthew initial takeaways is like you were saying we get their perspective and their perspective on their own players too because we see bradley beal in a certain way but we get to hear in the interview what he really thinks and it's kind of surprising a few of his comments on the players mm-hmm. that he has of course he knows like washington's not that great of a team right now but what we view their team is just different from how they see it. And that's vice versa. That's the way it is. And it's, it's a brilliant idea to have these people on to go through each team because I like to get the perspective from them. 
And Suns Jamster listeners, we hope you enjoy listening and understanding this perspective both going both ways. So, uh, again, that's kind of our game plan over these next eight games. Uh, we hope that you come along for the ride with us and enjoy uh, plenty of podcasts coming out because the Suns play eight games in 14 days. So you're going to get eight podcasts in 14 days. We're going to be coming rapid fire at you. That's how excited we are for the NBA bubble. We've been putting this together here for a couple weeks. So we hope that you're excited to come along with us on this journey. A couple you know, housekeeping notes, if you will, that I'll throw out there. Remember, you can follow the Suns Jam session at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow the Facebook page. You can email the show, session at gmail.com, or you can visit the actual website, sunsjamsession.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voita. And you can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. All right. I think it's time to crack open a beer and start talking about the Wizards versus Suns. What do you think, Matthew? Let's get it started, dude. All right. Crack get this, this sucker. started. And let's do this. All right, here we go. It's uh, it's time to play the Washington Wizards. Uh, you know, kind of wrapping up the, the scrimmage games. You know, they're over. And I guess the primary question I have for you, Matthews, do you think that the Suns overachieved, underachieved, properly achieved, or who cares because of scrimmages? No, I cared a lot. And I think they overachieved by a lot. And I think if people around the league saw it too as well, um, just to mention one player's name, Mikkel Bridges, he pretty much brought fire to the Suns nation, I think, obviously overnight. All three games he played well. All That's all you needed to really overachieve. The rest of the team kind of played the same way. They were moving the ball great. Uh, Saroch was playing out of his mind. He got hurt. Um, but he'll be back. Um, but what the Suns did in scrimmage, I think, mattered. And uh, you can say, oh, maybe it's just preseason. But even the preseason, like when the Suns would play in preseason and they would get blown out it's like to the Portland uh, Trailblazers, that's the way it was the rest of the season. We can kind of see how the Suns are set in their ways right now in the offense. Uh, their defense is really picking up. So I'm taking this away as something that, we can look forward to seeing in the next eight games. And I think a lot of the teams too are trying to play hard in the scrimmage because it's the first basketball in four and a half months. If the Suns went 0 and three, would you have the same stock? Oh no, I don't think so. Because like <laughs> the last two games, Oh well, no, I would, I'm sorry. The last two games, they didn't really play their starters in the last quarter and a half or so. So, um, both coaches were just trying out their benches. So, but when the players were actually playing in the starting lineups, um, that was a difference for me to where I could see that both teams were really going at it hard. Yeah, I mean, they came out in every game ready to compete. You know, and it's, it's tough because you can't put a lot of weight into the performance of a scrimmage game, right? Because ESPN's the jump reported that coaches are going to be working together to optimize their opportunities, setting up plays, and experimenting with different lineup construction. So in essence, teams would share goals prior to tip-off in an effort to maximize the scrimmage, which makes sense. I mean, you're trying to knock the cobwebs off of the, the players and your, your uh, play calling and things of that nature. So you can't put too much stock into the results of the scrimmage games, but what you can put stock into is the instinctive plays that were occurring, especially when we talk about Mikhail Bridges. It's the little things. It's the, the micro hesitations that he would have in the lane and allow a, a defender to just get out of reach before he would go up and put a, a mini jump shot in or a layup or the way that he would drive to the hoop and understand his length on a layup that it's not going to get blocked 
No one, you, you yeah. can't, you can't block this guy's arms. You know, the same thing with Cam Johnson. It's seen his aggression. That isn't something that he normally had. The majority of the season, he was somebody who would catch the ball and he would shoot it. 71% of his shots this season were from downtown. And it's not much of a difference. 65% of his shots during the scrimmage were from downtown. But what I found interesting is the fact that he actually upped his overall free throw attempts per game. During the regular season, he had 0.9 free throw attempts per game. Whereas in the bubble in these three scrimmages, you saw 3.3 free throw attempts per game. So what that's telling me is he's being more aggressive. He's trying to force the issue, which isn't necessarily scripted, but it's something that gives promise. Even if they're unsuccessful, I feel like it's – displaying a different brand of Suns basketball from those two players. And that's what I've, I've found stocking. If they'd got Owen three, would it be disappointing? Of course, you know, you want them to win, but you know that, like you said, they're emptying their benches and seeing how deep deep their benches are in pretty much every game starting at about the middle of the third quarter, but seeing the promise from your starters and some of the bench play, that's what mattered. And that's what uh, I thoroughly enjoyed in those games. And I think that, you know, you nailed it. Mikael Bridges won the scrimmages for the Suns. He was lighting up Twitter. I'm interested to see how, as we have these conversations with other members of SB Nation sites, if we see kind of a recognition of the Mikael Bridges growth. Because the conversation that we're going to have a little bit here later with Kevin Broom from Bullets Forever, we had this conversation with him last week, really before any of the scrimmage games started. So as we have some of these other conversations, I'm really trying to see if, if they're truly turning heads or if it's only Suns Nation that is really understanding and noting the growth that Mikael Bridges has displayed in these games. They should, though, because he's a scary player. If he's putting up those numbers, getting to the rim at will, uh, just to say, too, all the wings were going to the rim. I feel like that was some of the that was probably the game plan Monte had is like stop shooting the ball so much and get to the rim. Like you'd be surprised how easy it is if you just try. But for Mikael Bridges, he is a scary guy to look at. And then with his skill set. It's just, it's off the charts. It's a little bit different from like what we see with Devin Booker. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the thing I always harped on all season long was just the fear. Everyone knows who Booker is, but he doesn't have the fear. I feel like he puts in other teams. Mikel Bridges, I feel like can have that just because he can do a lot more with the ball than what Booker can just because well, he's so long. Both sides of the ball. I mean, he, both he, sides of the ball. Like, yeah, he, his versatility is scary within itself. Yeah. But that's what we can see from what was so great about the scrimmages is he would he would either get to the hole, make a great play, make a great dish, whatever, and then here he comes again on the defensive end, taking the ball away. Like I don't remember seeing that with the Suns ever to where it's consistently great plays. I remember always getting Booker like a great play, next possession probably wasn't that great. McHale is just very consistent. And it's just it's unreal how great he's looked in the scrimmage. But if he can look this way within the eight games or the first couple games, then on these interviews, we're going to get a lot of recognition mm-hmm. from those people. Well, and it's not since Sean Marion that we've seen such consistent play on both sides of the floor from a wing. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, with great honor that I say that name because, you know, people know I'm a big Sean Marion fan. He's my favorite son of all time. And if Mikhail Bridges is three quarters of a Sean Marion, it's a slam dunk home run. You cup that that'll be go down as one of the greatest drafts in Suns history. Getting DeAndre Ayton at number one and Mikael Bridges at number ten. I I do want to give a shout out to one of our very very loyal uh, Suns Jamster listeners, and that's the Tan Man, Nicholas Mm -hmm. Tan. Uh, He sent us an email, and he was really hyped up about Bridges, as we all are right now. And I liked one thing that he said. He's like, you know what? 
Mikael Bridges has played in every game this year. Not only is he the man of steel, but he's the man of steel. Mm-hmm. The man of, he steals the ball, and he's also made of steel. And I love that, and it's so true. I mean, the consistency that you're getting from Mikael Bridges is something that should be admired. And his health, you know, God willing, I'm knocking on wood in here. You know, I hope that it, that continues, and he does become that man of steel who you can just constantly, consistently rely on. Again, just like Sean Marion. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm knocking on this uh, pliable, whatever this IKEA wood is. It's not <laughs> even real board. wood. Particle board. That's what it is. So uh, we hope to see it continue, and I really think it will. I don't see why that would have to stop. So real quick, before we get into our Wizards preview, I just wanted to talk real quick. As the Phoenix Suns sold the G League team to the Detroit Pistons today. Yeah, that, that was something that came kind of out of left field. Uh, I know that yesterday they. Uh, the Suns organization laid off about 20 different individuals mm-hmm. and then they sold the G League team. Uh, question, has Robert Sarver sold the wrong team? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was the <laughs> thing, right? On Twitter, it's like he sold the wrong team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think this has to do with um, the future? Does it have to do with basketball or is it just money, straight out money? Because I, I believe it's money. It, it has to be. But like honestly, if you think about the G League, what players have we gone from the G League that have contributed like we've had the option the past four years to have these guys come in on two-way contracts and really prove us wrong and doubt have a have the doubters you know pay for a really good play or to make mm-hmm. the team and uh, come off the bench it's just never happened so honestly when I first heard about it I didn't think it was a big deal really just for that reason I think you have a lot of players that are going to play overseas now instead of going to college so when you're drafting these players are going to be more ready to come in and play I feel like because they're actually playing basketball all the time kind of like what LaMelo Ball's doing right now. So when you draft them, it's like either you know they're going to play or not. So how does this hurt the Suns in the future, though, not having the G League? I think the only thing that's really going to hurt the Suns is the fact that here, I believe it's starting next season, not this upcoming draft, but the next draft, is when players can go directly from high school to the G League instead yeah. of going to college. And that's going to be kind of tough if we're trying to develop relationships with these players and we'd have no G League affiliate for them to go and kind of develop those relationships with. I agree with you 100% that it's not – the G League is something that the Suns need. I mean, there's no one on the Suns roster right now other than Ty Jerome who played down in the G League because he was a rookie who's made any significant impact on the Suns organization in the past – in the history of the, the NAS Suns. So yeah. although it hurts the city of uh, Prescott where they play, I'm, I'm sure that you know they are disappointed. No, they, they play in Prescott. Oh, do they play in Prescott? Yeah, yeah they play in Prescott. Oh, wow. So, uh, but they might, that community might be hurt by it because they know that that team's not there. I mean, they already moved out of there in the middle of COVID, said, hey, we're going to be playing our games down in Phoenix now. So that was probably upsetting to them, but I don't see how it benefits the Suns from a basketball standpoint, a business standpoint as well. I mean, it does cost money for things of that nature. The only thing I'm worried about is, again, with the new high school players looking to automatically try to make some money for their basketball skills rather than going to college you know, in the past, there's kind of two things. You go to college for a year or you do the LaMelo route where you're going overseas. Well, this way you can stay in America. You can get paid. I think it's like $500,000. And then from there, I believe you become draftable. You like, they could join the NAS Suns, but they're not part of the Suns organization. Okay. Not drafted by the Suns. And so again, the only detriment to that is developing any sort of interpersonal relationships. Like let's say, uh, you know, you graduate from high school, you go to play, with the NAS Suns for that one year and the coaching staff really has some insight into you and they could be like, Hey, James Jones, 
you got to draft Matthew Lissy, man. Like, get him in the second round because he's clearly not first-round talent or a lottery <laughs> talent, but he's somebody who's definitely will work well within the confines of our, our organization. So, I mean, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, and I mean, the only two teams that don't have a G League team now are uh, the Trailblazers and the Nuggets. And now the right. Suns. And now the Suns, but... um. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm not too upset about it. So it like, it didn't affect how I looked about the Suns organization or the future of basketball in Phoenix. So I don't know. I'm probably wrong on that. A lot of people seem to be upset, but I don't think it's a big deal just because I I haven't seen one player come out of the G league that has made a difference on this team. I just think it's more the shock factor right now. I think think, so too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it kind of comes down to. You look around America as a whole and people are losing their jobs left and right. And it's shocking every time it happens, you know, working in the hospitality industry, I'm seeing people get laid off. I know that starting the third or the first, which is this Saturday is when we see that $600 stimulus check go away for a lot of people. It's going to be a lot of people who are going to be needing money here pretty quick and can't pay their bills. And you might see some things change here pretty quick because... Well, then open shit up. Open shit up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk Wizards preview, okay? So the Suns are playing the Wizards at 1 o'clock on Friday. NBA basketball is back, even if it's in Orlando. And the Suns have played the Wizards once before. They played them on November 27th and lost 140 to 132. Matthew, what do you remember about that game? And what is the difference between the team then and the team now? I don't remember the game, honestly. Really? I I really don't. I know we talked about it earlier. We didn't know if it was like an overtime game or not, but it was the four quarter game. Oh, I I knew it wasn't. That 140 to 132 was not an overtime score. Yeah, see, that I don't remember it at all. was so impressive about that game. I just remember there was no freaking defense, and Bradley Beal just could not miss. He had 35 points in the game, 11 for 18 from the field, 4 for 6 from downtown, 9 from 10 for, from the, the free throw line. I just mm-hmm. remember he was a thorn in our side, coupled with off-the-bench-ish Smith scoring 21 against the old, his old team, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, so I remember that part, Ish Smith. This is just a repeat of what I said before when we talked about it, because now when you brought up Ish Smith, I'm looking at the box score – I remember that. I just yes. remember that part. But um, do you think it's going to be the same outcome? It shouldn't be, right? <laughs> this, I mean, next not, not a chance. And, you know, we'll talk about it in the Kevin Broom interview. But, I mean, this is not the Washington Wizards that led the league in offense for the first part of the season because they have no Bradley Beal. Then they have no Davis Bertans. And John Wall is obviously still hurt. So they're really relying on some guys to step up, to show up, and to show out like Rui Hachimura, like Troy Brown. I mean, these guys are a lot of weight's going to be on their shoulders and you just don't know how competitive they're actually going to be. You know, Davis Bertans in the game against the Suns back in um, November, he had what, like 16 points off the bench. I mean, their bench killed us, you know, but you look at the Suns and and so that's the wizard side of it. The wizards, I just don't think have the squad right now. That's really going to compete with the Suns. Now the Suns have to execute the issue that they always have is we play to the level of the competition. Don't we? Always, every time this season. It's like you had the great game against like the Lakers or the Bucks, and then you come back against teams like this, and it's a letdown. The only thing is, is I'm scared we kill this team, and then we have a letdown after that just because of how well we played. Well, so, let's start 1-0. and You know, let's, let's cross that one bridge. One at a time, we, of course. Yes, yeah. one at a time. You know, you look at Devin Booker, he had 27 points against the, uh, the Washington Wizards. DeAndre Ayton wasn't playing back then. So that'll be something that's a little bit different. The starting five when we played the Wizards back in November was Booker, Saric, Rubio, Ubre, and Kaminsky. And the team put up 132 points. 
Now that it, that goes to show you, Washington's not good at defense. No, they have the so worst we, defense. <laughs> they have, yeah, they have the best offense, worst defense, like historically yeah. bad. If that trend continues, this is a team we should come out and we should beat. Now, I'm hoping that Monty has this team mentally sharp enough and ready to execute because it's just a challenge where they just don't have that edge. Now, granted, everything's going to be different this year. They're in the bubble. They, we know that they're, they're hyper-focused on literally everything is basketball, hanging out by the pool, and like fishing and having like movie nights with Monty. So they're hyper-focused. They're playing it like it's AAU ball, and I'm really excited to see the Suns come out. What is, uh, what is your prediction for this game? My prediction is kind of like the last um, scrimmage game where I think the Suns are going to come up big. They're going to play hard. They're going to be up by like maybe 15 going into the fourth quarter, and they'll see a lot of the bench. And that's what I kind of want to see is a lot of the bench play and see if they can get them going. I know they kind of did it the last scrimmage game, but I want to see it more consistent to where mm-hmm. Ty Jerome might have another decent game because he kind of did in the last scrimmage game. Um, so that's what I want to see, and that's what I predict. I think that it would be nice to see Mikkel Bridges really continue – to like dominate in the game. If that can happen in this game, which it should, then I would be more confident in the next game following against Dallas, yeah, which hopefully they don't the overlook this game for that one. Well, I think they're focused on what's directly ahead of them. I'm going to drop a score on you, okay? Just like we did during the regular season. I'm going to say <laughs> yeah. Suns 115, Wizards 101. All right. That's my I was I was thinking like, yeah, 115, 115 to 95, something like that. Okay, so, okay. So you're saying 20 points, I'm saying 14. Yeah. We're very excited, uh, clearly, that the Suns are going to come out and hopefully put a wax in on the Wizards. I hope so, man. And I hope we're drunk. Oh, wait, we get the right stuff. But <laughs> a lot of writers, though, they're alcoholics. Like, I, I have to be the writer that is like Stephen King that, um, you know, you just black out. You don't remember half the, half the book you don't remember because you're that's just gonna, blacked out drunk. That's going to be your articles on Bright Side of the Sun. You're just like, <laughs> I, after the first paragraph, Sorry. you know, the, the whiskey hit. Yeah, it turns into a fiction <laughs> fiction novel <laughs> stupid before we get to the kevin broom interview i gotta ask you one question yeah what is your final prediction for the bubble who wins the nba championship before this season begins right here right now who's in the nba finals who wins the championship i want it on record all right so i got lakers bucks and i'm picking the lakers for sure okay. and how many games But you know what scare who scares me are the raptors how many games i think mm-hmm. it would be uh six or seven Okay. Definitely. Okay. So you're saying there's going to be a good series. You're saying Lakers yeah. are going to overtake still the Bucks. Lakers. Okay. It's on record. What do you got? Okay. I was hoping you were going to ask me. Jeez, I left a long enough silence there. <laughs> next so, segment. <laughs> next segment. Um. So no. Uh. So I'm going to go with the Clippers because that's what I've been saying all year, and I'm going to yeah. stick with that. And I'm going to have the Clippers over the Celtics. That's okay. my final call. A lot I of think, people are picking the Celtics. I think they kind of have a scary. Uh, it, Marcus Smart's the biggest, or I'm sorry, uh, Kemba Walker's the biggest key with them. If he's healthy, I think that team is just poses problems for people. I think the Bucks again, they're 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 so close. I just feel like yeah. Giannis is the only true guy in that Middleton's good. You know, he's an All Star, so you know he's I, abo- yeah. he's above good. He's like whatever. What's the word between good and great? He's like better than T.J. Warren. He's an All Star, T.J. Warren. I like that. That's me. actually kind of a good analogy. Like T.J. Warren because he's a mid range guy, plays some well, decent he, defense. Yeah. They but both like, can shoot the three now. I, so. I, I just feel like it's going to be like a game seven and Eric Bledsoe is going to fuck something up. Yeah, see, that's the thing. You got to kind of hide them. Um, that's why I'm saying the Raptors kind of scare me too. I don't know why they scare me because they're in the East, but I can see them making the finals too as well. I just don't see it with the Celtics because 
Gordon Hayward, I still think needs another full offseason to get it right and another mm-hmm. full season until he goes into the playoffs and get things right. Because I think he's still a great player. Um, they need him, I feel like, to make a difference. And I think they got the two guys and Jalen. Well, Jalen Brown, you know, he's kind of the off guy. He's not really part of the main three. Yeah. Uh, but um, the other guy that the Suns. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Why? Jason Tatum and uh, why? Because you block that out of Kemba your... Walker. Yeah, <laughs> Kemba yeah, but Walker. If they, but if they got Kemba Walker, if they've got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Hayward humming that, and Marcus Smart coming up, yeah. I mean, they they just they had they that's play on... really intense defense. The Suns got to see that when we mm-hmm. played against them, and something that that's what kind of solidified it for me. It's clearly recency bias because I actually watched yeah. them play, and I just know that that's a team that's going to give people fits. They match up well against kind of everybody. I think the Seventy Sixers are the only team that really pose a matchup problem with them. Obviously, Giannis is a matchup problem for anybody, but like the Raptors, I think they match up perfectly with the Celtics, and that, that, if mm-hmm. that occurs, that'd be a great series. I think the Sixers could give them some fits if the Sixers are playing well and Horford's playing very well off the bench, and Embiid is actually yeah. f- hyper-focused on trying to be successful. So I just that's my call. I'm going Clips, Celts in six games. Kawhi yeah. Leonard wins a, another championship. No, that that's perfect, and it's another COVID-free day in the NBA. Yes, this and is true. this is going to be a lot of fun because when you're talking about all these teams playing each other, I can't see one bad matchup, and I'm just I cannot wait for this to start. Well, bring on the basketball, baby, and uh, let's bring on that interview with Kevin Broom. Let's do it. All right, we're excited to welcome to the Suns Jam session from the Bullets Forever SB Nation site, the Deputy Managing Editor Kevin Broom. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, we really appreciate you being on. Uh, I think one of the fun things about the bubble coming back and NBA finally being back for us all to watch is to get to know kind of other teams and see how your how their fans not only do view their team, view their team within the bubble, but also see the Suns from afar. So, again, thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, this probably shouldn't take too long. I understand you're hanging out in Houston right now, right? Just move for, uh, to the Houston area, correct? That's right. That's correct. Well, we don't like the Astros on this show, even though it's a Suns podcast. So we appreciate. Yeah, you got a Yankee. You got a Yankees fan on the other side over here. So, <laughs> not a big fan of the Astros. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> so the first question I got for you, Kevin, is just what's one thing the Suns fans should know about the Wizards? What do we don't know? Well, so as we go into the bubble, I mean, probably the biggest thing is we. I probably know these things, but like you know, the best player, the the, the people that the guys that most people consider to be their best players, Bradley Beal. Um, Davis Bertans, they're out. So the Wizards are kind of a glorified G League team going to <laughs> the bubble. They've, I mean, they've got a couple guys who are like legitimate NBA, more than a couple. They've got a few guys who are like legitimate NBA players, but they would also be the kind of guys who would fit in quite well in the G League. So, so who's the one guy we, sh- we should be watching that doesn't get enough credit? Because like you said, we know Beal, we know Wall's not playing, Bertans isn't playing. So who's the one guy that we should be watching when we play him? Yeah, Hmm, that's a great question because it's they're really kind of an, a blank slate in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the guy that, who's probably going to take on the most uh, offensive load will probably be Rui Hachimura. Um, he's mostly been uh, like a mid-range kind of guy, not a very good shooter from three-point range, doesn't really get to the basket. He settles a little bit for that mid-range shot. Um, he's come back stronger, he says. He claims to have put on eight pounds of, of weight. You know, this, the second, it's, uh, you know, best shape of my life 2.0 uh, for the Wizards. <laughs> way. And uh, so I think he's somebody who could get an opportunity. And Troy Brown is a guy who's been pretty good. And I think people know that around the league, 
but the, the message hasn't really quite gotten to the Wizards coaching staff. And so, but I think in the bubble, they don't really have a choice but to play him. And so I think he's going to have an opportunity to show what he can do. Yeah, we'll have to check him out. And then your initial reaction when the Wizards actually gained entry into Orlando, were you happy or were you surprised? Or what was your first initial reaction? I, I would say I was surprised more than anything else. I, you know, they are by far the weakest team in the, yeah. even including if they had Beal and they had Bertans, they're seriously by far the weakest team in the bubble. And, you know, I looked at their schedule and they're, just, they're a lot worse than everybody else. And now they're missing like, you know, they're two of their better guys. And so they're even weaker relative to the rest of the field. So, yeah, I was surprised that they got included because I don't think they really had a chance to, have a realistic chance to make it into the, the you know, even to force the playoff, the, that play-in game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the Suns were kind of in the same boat. You're team number 22. We're team yeah. number 21. And yeah. all the, all the initial talk was they might do 16 teams. They might do the 20 and the group stage. And once they, uh, the, we heard the Suns were going in, I, I was ecstatic just cause I wanted to see eight more, uh, yeah. eight more games with this team. Yeah. You know, it, it sounds like it's a little tougher for you as a, as a Wizards fan, because you know you're not getting a really good look at the team that you're expecting to be on the court next year. Are you looking at this as more of a development opportunity for those players who are going to be there? Yeah, I, that's really the way that I've been looking at this and, and scrutinizing it as a whole, you know, going in is, is looking at it as, like you said, developmental and, you know, seeing which of these young guys that they have that can stick around. I mean, they've got two veteran point guards, so they should be able to at least, like, initiate offense. So that's something. And then after that, it's going to be interesting to see which of these young guys can actually sort of cement their role in, 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 with the team when they get, their guy, get the guys they really want uh, in, in town. But they're going to be really young. Their rotation in the bubble is probably going to be about 23 years old on average. Oh, wow. I, I counted it's like seven of them are, um, 20, un, are 22 and under. So this is a really, really young group. Do you think, well, the young group, do you think they'll go 0-8? Or what do you predict really for their win-loss record? No, I think what's going to end up happening there in the bubble is that the, the records are going to be kind of flat. I think there'll be a lot of teams like like three, three, four, five wins because I don't think anybody's going to go too hard. Um, I think, you know, most of these teams will be trying to play. The teams that actually have something to play for will be trying to protect their guys for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll see some jockeying. For, for seeding, but I think for the most part, you're going to try to keep guys healthy. And so, you know, a team that just plays with enthusiasm, which I would expect the Wizards to do, they'll probably pick up, you know, one or two wins. I don't, if they got three, I think that would be a surprise. You guys are going to probably end up with like the ninth pick and the Suns are most likely going to end up with the 10th pick. And we know the lottery now with the waiting system being different, who knows, you might end up with the number one overall pick, but seeing as the wizards at number nine, you're going to take somebody probably you're going to be the team that breaks our heart this year. Who's going to take the guy like right before our pick. Uh, Who who do you guys want? I want LaMelo ball. And I actually, my (laughs) prediction is he's actually going to land on the wizards. Yeah. Um, We've both been saying that on the pod. Yeah. But, I, I I would expect actually Lamelo Ball. I I would be surprised if he doesn't go one or two. Yeah, um, and I don't think the Wizards will get up that high. But you know, stranger things have happened. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. I, I think on the Suns end, I've been preaching just trade the pick, whatever it is. We need to trade it. You know, we're a team that needs to 
get out of the business of developing draft picks. We've been doing that for the past six years now. It's time to take that asset and try to fortify our bench. And one of the guys everybody's talking about around the league is Davis Bertans. Now, am I saying that right? Davis Bertans? Yeah, Davis Bertans. Okay, sweet. Some people say Davis Burtons and drives me crazy. But that's somebody who I would absolutely love to be on the Suns. Now, do you see him next year staying with you guys and resigning or going somewhere else? And if so, where do you think he'd end up going? Uh, the Wizards plan to re-sign him. One of the reasons he's not playing is, you know, he didn't want to risk injury, and the mm-hmm. Wizards reported him on that, and uh, basically said, "Okay, great, you don't you don't need to play." And I'm sure they're going to. They're already, I'm sure, talking to um, Bertan's agent to to make a deal. They want to keep him. Um, I really thought they should have traded him at the deadline or at some point um, before the deadline, but um, yeah, they they. They plan to keep him, so I would expect that he'll he'll stay. Do you think he'll break your rotation, or is he going to continue to be a bench guy for you guys? He'll be he'll be a, he'll come off the bench. I mean, he's a key key player, but he he'll be coming off the bench still. I'm you know pretty sure they like him in that role. He seems pretty comfortable in it. Yeah, I mean that'd be a great role for him in the future um, with the Wizards. But when we talked about him playing with the Suns, I know we'll. We'll lose faith now in having him sign with the Suns. Now that you're saying that he'll be resigned with the Wizards, yeah. Um, but great guy there. But I think also too, when I think of the Wizards, I think of Bradley Beal, and then when I think of Bradley Beal, I always think of Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you're too familiar, how familiar you are with Devin Booker, yeah. Um, and his game, but do you believe like both players kind of seem undervalued, and do you think like Booker is even on the same level as Bradley Beal is right now? So one, I. I actually think Beal is I, – I mean, Wizards fans will probably string me up with this, but I think he's kind of overvalued. He's very oh, good. Really? Hmm, okay. Yeah. I think he's, he's very good, but he's not in that elite, elite category of, like, you know, the Giannis, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. He's, he's in that, like, you know, like 16 to 25-ish overall, which is terrific, but he's not somebody to, like – anchor your team and make a championship run he's he can be part of that if like if the wizards had anthony davis for example beal would be a great second best player mm-hmm. yeah so and i think devin booker is about at the same level you know Agreed. I think they're pretty close um which is to say they're both really valuable really good players but again i just don't think that they're, they're guys you can anchor a team a championship team around or a championship contender around yeah we're with you on that for sure Yeah, without a doubt. I think that Booker is somebody who is a phenomenal offensive talent, just like Bradley Beal is, but he needs to be your second best player. And if if later in his career, when he's 30 years old, if he's your third best player on a team, then you're going to win a championship. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Who are you guys looking at in the draft? Who do you want the Wizards to get? Well, (laughs) I'm uh, more – so the way I do my draft stuff is is with stats. Mm Mm-hmm. I tend to lean towards the more analytical side of things. And I don't have my, uh, my sheets here in front of me, but um, the, the players I like in the draft are guys like, well, number one, this draft is really weak. It's yes. really weird. It's like, it's sort of like you take a regular draft and just start it at number six. And uh, that's about where this draft is for me. So, I mean, I like like LaMelo Ball. I like Tyrese Halliburton a lot, even with the weird shot. Um, and then... I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who are some guys. There's some guys that people are talking about as being really good. Denny versus Abadija. Uh I'm not seeing that, at least not in the numbers, at least not so far. Um, 
So I, I just really think the Wizards have enough needs that they should just pick the best player. And if that best player, when they pick, is a point guard, they should take him. And because they're going to – I wrote a piece back in May of 2019 where I looked at players coming back, not just from Achilles injuries, but I, I was actually looking at players who missed – like all-star level players who missed two or more years, missed half their team's games in two or more years. That was John Wall. He's actually missed half his game in two or more years, and then he missed all of this season as well. So we are talking three years of injury, and those guys don't come back well. They, they, the Wizards seem to be counting on him coming back at basically an all-NBA level or, or at least an all-star level. I think it's much more likely he's going to be league average. And so mm-hmm. if the Wizards could pick a really, you know, good developmental point guard, I think they'd be smart to do that. Well, there's, there, right. are, there, yeah. there are some developmental point guards in this draft, especially who are probably going to fall right to that like 7 to 11 range. So you might get your wish there. Yeah. Well, but again, I, I mean, if I were them, I would also take, I mean, I would take any position, any position, as long as it's a good player. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's not very many of them. It looks like initially in this yeah. draft. What, uh, what are your thoughts on the Suns from afar? Yeah. The Suns are a team where, let's see, it, you guys were actually like a little better than I thought you'd be like at the beginning of the season. And then what was it? Rubio got hurt. Right. And that pretty much, uh, you, you had Rubio got hurt, Baines got hurt for a while, while at the same time Aiton was out with his suspension. That's right. Cam got hurt, Ubre. I mean, we had a lot, a list of injuries, suspensions, and it was yeah. just kind of a, an interesting little year. Yeah, I like some of the talent there. Uh, you know, we obviously the Wizards had Kelly Ubre for a little while. That was a mm-hmm. very strange trade that they made. Yeah. yeah. What What, what are yeah. your thoughts on Kelly Ubre? Like, why did they trade him? That guy's been awesome for us. He, well, he's a guy in – he plays really hard, and that's been double-edged. You know, he played himself out of position. He's a, he's a guy – he would be a really good defender, for example, if he would just play his position and mm-hmm. try to sort of run himself out of plays, which he does pretty frequently. And um, on offense, he was really hit and miss. There were some games where he'd be terrific, and you'd think, this guy could be an all-star. And then there'd be other games where he just, he's so clueless, you wonder what, what's going through his head. So um, I think that they, what they were concerned about was the idea of paying him, uh, you know, a big contract when they didn't think he was all that good. And at the time, they also, the Wizards had a really big locker room problem. They were, uh, the words I've used to describe them at the time were surly and um, sullen. And they, they had this like two, too cool vibe where they would mm-hmm. sort of get their butts kicked early and then they would just sort of coast rather than the attitude that you'd like to see, which is, okay, you're getting your butt kicked, but you want to see the guys fight back. You want to see them just yeah. claw back. And so the Wizards would talk, a re- the, the veterans that they had at the time would talk a really tough game and they would talk about how good they were and all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, they're getting their, their butts kicked every night and they're not really fighting. It was like they're, they're too good to try hard enough to actually be good. And so um, Oubre was, was not part of that problem. He was a guy who played hard all the time, but they felt like they needed uh, a more veteran guy and they liked the idea of getting Trevor Ariza back because he'd been around when, you know, Wall and Beal were younger and they felt like his leadership could help sort of settle the locker room down. And 
I would say that that didn't work out. <laughs> well, I'm glad you took him off yeah. of our hands. Yeah, he was yeah. gone by the end of the year, correct? Yeah, his, he, he left in free agency after the season. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah he bounces around a lot now. Um, but well, um, He wasn't okay. like, that's the other thing is that he was, I mean, kind of, kind of washed. I mean, he's, yeah. he was a good yeah. player today, but he's not what he was. Yeah, when we signed him, I was we were like, "What? Why? We already got enough wings, and plus, you're bringing in this guy who's a little bit older, and obviously didn't even want to play here." So, very yeah. strange move. He was—I mean, he's a good guy. He's and good, you know, good leader, and works hard, and all that kind of stuff. It's just oh. not that good a player. I mean, I think that that's part of the reason why people are signing him. That's why he ended up in Sacramento for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So what is your, your big prediction for the, the Phoenix Suns versus the Washington Wizards? What's your prediction for that game? How do you think that's going to, that one's going to go down? Pain. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would expect the Suns to, to win. Um, I, I, when I ran the numbers you know, earlier, and this was when Bertans and, and Beal were there, I, I had the Wizards as underdogs in all eight games. Mm. So my anticipation is that they would be underdogs. I, I haven't crunched the numbers, but I, I would say that Phoenix Phoenix should probably win this. Well, I mean, this is the only game I think we won't be underdogs in. Uh, you know, it is of note. I remember the game when we played you guys earlier in the season back in November, and you beat us 140 to 132, and it was one of the most entertaining games of the season just because there was a, absolutely no defense. I mean, that's 140 to 132, that was a – a non-overtime score. I mean, your, your team, when healthy, is unbelievably exciting to watch offensively. Yeah, well, they, they were then. And the, if you want an even crazier game, go back and see if you can find the Wizards played the Rockets. The Rockets beat them 157 to 156. Jeez. And was that overtime? I, I, you know, I can't remember, believe it or not. I Still, that's a... <laughs> It, it was the wizards. The wizards at the, especially at the beginning of the season, they were, you know, they were number one in the league in offense, and they were number thirty in defense. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and uh, they were regularly having these games that were, you know, one forty, one thirty-two, you know, one thirty-two to one twenty-one, those kinds of scores. They were, they were pretty wild for a while. They were actually rolling with the worst defense in league history. And oh then my they God. traded away or traded away Isaiah Thomas and they improved. So, well, we're looking forward to playing the Wizards on that first game back. It's exciting to have basketball back. Uh, you know, again, Kevin, thank you for your time and hanging out with us on the Suns Jam Session podcast. Can you tell everybody where they can read you and where they can follow you? Yeah, uh, you can check us out on bulletsforever.com. We have a lot of content there. We have several writers. Um, I'm one of them. We've got uh, a lot of good content going up there. Uh, Wizards, Mystics. And um, you can also give us a follow at Bullets Forever on Twitter or at Broom underscore Kevin on, also on Twitter. Awesome. And I went to follow you. And just so you know, if once you hit accept, I'll be officially your 2,000th follow on Twitter. So I'm very honored to do <laughs> I, that I've for you. I've been followers lately, so uh, <laughs> probably too much politics. But. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy world we're living in these days. So, But thankfully, we have a little bit of basketball coming back to kind of distract us from uh, every, all the crap that's going on in this crazy world. So, But again, Kevin, we appreciate your time. Uh, have a great evening, my friend. You too. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thank you. Take, take care, sir. 
All right, that was a great interview. Thank you once again to Kevin Broom from Bullets Forever for joining the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, before we go, we just had one mailbag question that I really wanted to talk about and get your thoughts, Matthew. And this is coming from one of our loyal listeners, one of our jamsters, if you will, and that's uh, Ree Straw. And he said, would you rather the Suns go 8-0 but aren't guaranteed a playoff spot or the Suns go 1-7 and and end up with the second pick in the 2020 draft? That's a tough one. It's a tough one, but when's the last time the Suns won three in a row? Was it, has it been like three years or something? No, I think, I think it was earlier this season, right? At the very beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. They haven't won four but in a row. But before that, while. yeah, four in a row. It's like four in, in, like in Dem Booker's career, I don't think it's happened. This never happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a four and a. Uh, I would rather see the eight. No, I really would. I want them to dominate every team that they can. Uh, not dominate them, but put up a good fight and get those wins, dude. Because if they get those wins, go eight, eight and no and not get a playoff spot, that's fine. Because whoever gets the eight spot is going to lose the Lakers. Mm-hmm. But if they go eight and no, they're making the playoffs. I think, even though we talk about that all the time, how mathematically it probably won't happen. But eight and no is the best shot they got to get in there, or seven and one. But to pick, to get the second pick, that might be Lamelo Ball. That's hard for me because that's the guy I want on this that's team. That's your guy. Um, so I mean, I don't know, man. Because if you can go four and four and get the second. <laughs> Second pick of the 2020 Well, that's not the question, okay? (laughs) You always got to make up your own questions to the questions. Like, what if the sky was blue? You're like, yeah, but if it was green, I'd really like it if it was green. It's like, it's still blue. that's me. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) Apology accepted on behalf of Ree Straw for not answering his question. So, you want to answer the question? Yeah, 8-0. 8-0, that's where you want to go, right? Yeah. I'm going to agree with you, okay? Why? Because if the Suns go one and seven and we end up with the second pick, yes, it could be LaMelo Ball. Hell, we could get my guy. I want Obi Toppin. It's Obi Toppin or bust for me. I would love to have mm-hmm. Obi Toppin on this team. But that being said, if you go 8-0, think of all of the residual effects that occur with that. One, his question says, aren't guaranteed a playoff spot, which means they might make the playoffs. But if, even if they're not guaranteed a playoff spot, you've turned heads in the NBA. You've exceeded expectations. You've fortified the culture with this team and their system. Everybody looks at Phoenix with a different light. Everybody goes, you know what? Phoenix is that team to watch out for next year. Look what they did in the bubble. They went 8-0. You go 1-7 and and end up with the second pick in the 2020 draft. Everybody's like, yeah, that's what we expected. Yeah, that's what we expected. Exactly. We'll go on talking about everybody else. You know, Suns get no love. So I want to get some of that love. I want to get some of that hype. I want the Suns to be noticed by the national Mm -hmm. media in a positive light other than you know, Devin Booker potentially making the third team all NBA. I yeah. want to, I want, I want everything. I want the success and eight, no seven and one. You're going to turn some heads. Even if this team goes six and two, they're turning some heads. People are going to go, Whoa, shit. What's Phoenix doing? Even if it's going against half rosters because they're resting guys, because they're getting ready for the playoffs because there's eight games in 14 days and they're tired. Even if they go six and two, we're going to watch highlights on ESPN and enjoy watching them. I mean, how annoying is it after the Suns lose, you just don't watch ESPN that night. You know what I mean? Well, when that's they, every night. Yeah. But when they, but when they win, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'm watching ESPN tonight. Yeah. I'm you know going to watch I mean? his highlights. So just exactly. go on Bleacher Report. Yeah. You know, you're totally right. And I, I want the eight and no, I want even the six and two, but I want the eight and no, I want the free drugs, the free sex. I want everything that comes with it sex, and, not, and, and not even make the playoffs, you know, <laughs> um, that's what I'm hoping for. Definitely. 
Well, that's a, that's a great question from Restraw. We appreciate that. Remember, folks, you can email the show at session at gmail.com, and we can uh, read your mailbag questions on the show. Or you can stop by sunsjamsession.com and do the same. Uh, Matthew, is there anything else you want to throw out there before we get ready to watch the Washington Wizards on Friday? I don't. Just have a good time. Make sure you call out of work already. I know Put I didn't call on for I work. requested that day off. Yeah, I requested it a month off ago. So if you're so, a real Suns fan, you would be off. So what are we eating? Are we going to go Buffalo Wild Wings? Are we going to do Wing Stop, Buffalo Spot? I mean, what are we, we doing? Do wing Spot. Okay. okay. Yeah, Wing Spot. Definitely, wing spot. right? I'm with it. I'm yeah. with it. Or is it Wing Stop? It's wing Stop. Wing yeah, Stop is bad. the Wing Spot. Now, Wing Stop is good. We plug that place so much on this show. Yeah. We really need to reach out to them and be like, hey, oh, can we just, can I get like 12? for free like please just once or, yeah you know, can i have an extra napkin please <laughs> <laughs> well that's it for the sun's jam session podcast again you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter at matthew lissy that's all i got everybody let's go sons huh yeah let's go sons and uh stay home and love your family 